Matthew chapter number 11. Isn't it good to be saved? I tell you what, I'm so glad to know that I'm saved. I'm so glad to know that I, I know that I know that I, I'm, I'm not hoping. I, I, you know, there's some people that says, I, I, I hope I make it. Well, if that's what you're, if that's what you're depending on, you're in trouble. Because I don't have a hope-so salvation. I have a no-so salvation. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen? Oh, this is great. There's a lot of talk about greatness in, in, right now, especially during the, during the playoffs. You know, you have, uh, you have the ongoing discussion. I mean, it, it just depends on uh, where you're at and what time of the year uh, in, in the sports world. You know, they, they talk about who, who was the greatest. Was it Mike Tyson? Or Muhammad Ali? How many Mike Tyson people do we have in the house? All right. How many Muhammad Ali people we have in the house? Ooh. All right. How many people don't care? Yeah. That's y'all's problem. <laughs> Apathy. Apathy. How about, how about Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods? How many Tiger people we have? How many Jack Nicholas people we have? All right, yeah, I'm a Jack fan. How about how about Peyton Manning, Tom Brady? Ooh, apparently y'all don't like either one of them. All right, here's the biggie. Here's the biggie. This is what starts everything, and this is what the big fight. I mean, it didn't matter on the radio, on the TV. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Michael Air Jordan or LeBron James. All right, how many Jordan people? Yeah, how many, how many LeBron people? Y'all don't know Jesus. <laughs> Y'all don't know Jesus. LeBron who? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now, it's funny how you can get all of these opinions, and, and you can have someone stand and give you 20 reasons why they believe this one's the greatest or 20 reasons why this one's the greatest, and and, and still, all you have is man's opinion. But we're going to talk about the greatest today. And we're going to go beyond man's opinion and see who Jesus thought was the greatest. And then look at his life and see what maybe possibly made him the greatest. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 1. Verse number 1, it says... And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now this, remember this is John Baptizer, John Baptist. He's in prison, and he's sending the message to Jesus, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? What went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear clothing, or soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily, 
I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the, the privilege of knowing you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come and share your word in this great place. I pray that your perfect will be done. Lord, please help me. Please help me. I, I believe I have your word. I believe I have your message. But, God, I need the unction to deliver it. And I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Here we have John Baptizer, John the Baptist. Uh, he is uh, probably one of the most most prolific characters in the New Testament besides the Lord. He comes in the spirit and power of Elijah from the Old Testament. Y'all know, know if you go back and read, uh, he comes with camel hair and, and locusts and wild honey he's eating. He comes out the wilderness preaching and, and, and preparing the way for God's people to meet their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, things have gone on. Jesus has been baptized. Jesus begins his ministry, and now John is in prison. John is, is cooped up. He is caught, and he is, uh, uh, he is trying to figure out what in the world is going on because he hears what's going on. He hears about the ministry of Jesus. He hears about the works of Jesus, and he is wanting to be sure this is the one. He wants to be sure that this is the Messiah. This is the one they've been looking for. And, and, and Jesus confirms that. Aren't you glad when you struggle a little bit, Jesus will help you? Jesus will help you. He'll help you in your weakness and he'll help you in your need. And he said, go show John this. And he would heal somebody. He would heal a blind person, heal a lame person. So go show John this and tell him, everything's going to be all right. Say amen. Well, as they were leaving... He turns around to the crowd because you got to understand, Jesus is speaking to a big group of people who know John. Everybody knew John Baptist. Everybody knew about the forerunner. And, and they heard that John was worrying, that John was doubting. So Jesus turns to the crowd, I believe, in a way to defend John. Why? Because Christian people can be terrible. Religious people can be judgmental. And I believe, I believe some of them people say, uh-huh, You look at that, John's doubting, John's worried, look, uh, yeah, John ain't so tough now, is he? Yeah, I, I can't, no, Jesus turned around and said, what did you go to see? Did you go to see somebody in soft rain? In other words, let me translate that Alabama talk. Did you think you was going to see a sissy? Did you think you was going to see a reed blowing in the wind? What does that mean? Somebody who is blown about with every wind or doctrine, somebody that changes on a whim. Is that who you thought you was going to see? Or did you just think you was going to see a prophet? Yeah, I'll tell you this, and more than a prophet, there hadn't risen a greater than John Baptist. Even though he had some doubts, even though he had some worries, Jesus stood up and defended him and said he's the greatest. Are y'all with me? So here we have, here we have Jesus's, his opinion of John Baptist. Now, if Jesus's opinion of John Baptist was he the greatest, I think we ought to find out what made him that way. What was it about John's life that gave Jesus such a high opinion of him? Because Jesus didn't say this about anybody else. Are y'all with me? Say amen. 
Because here's the, here's the thing that we all need to get. I'm telling you, we all need to understand this. What man thinks of you is irrelevant. What man, and all you young people in the house, all you young people in the house, there's so much bullying going on. I, I mean, I, I grew up with bullying. I don't, I don't know if it's any different than it was then. I think it's just more accessible with social media, and there's so many people can say stuff and type stuff on social media that they won't say to your face. I tell you, I think if we just start busting them in the mouth, they'll quit that. Yeah, well, they said this on social media. Well, find them in the bathroom. Wait a minute. I've, I've, I've kind of gone off course a little bit. Amen? Yeah, before you bullying, you had to say it to their face. Now you can type it on, but that's all right. Fine. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm been, I don't know where that come from. Amen? Are y'all with me? What man thinks of you is irrelevant. It's what Jesus thinks of you. It's what Jesus knows about you. And so what was it that made Jesus have such a high opinion of John Baptist? I started reading and going through the Gospels and looking at all the stuff that was written about John Baptist. And one of the first things that stood out to me was the message that he preached. What made him great? It was the message that he preached. I, 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 remember, I remember singing a song, a kid's song, when, when John came out of the wilderness, he came preaching. You know, uh, it, it, he, he, listen, it says he came preaching. Say that with me. He came preaching. preaching. He gathered crowds and he began to preach. But what message was it that he was preaching? Let's look. Let's look. The Bible says, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye. Say it with me. Say it again. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We see what message was it that he preached. We see the repentance he declared. Repentance. It was a message of repentance. It is a message that you probably won't see on TV today. It's a message that you probably won't see in most churches today. We have forgotten all about repentance. Are y'all with me? We have self-help preachers. We have psychological preachers. We have people with prosperity preachers, and that's what people are flocking to because they've got the, the Bible says in the last days, people shall have itching ears itching ears. They will flock to teachers. They will gather themselves around teachers. They will not endure sound doctrine. In other words, if you got an old boy standing up declaring the word of God, preaching the Bible the way the Bible is written, they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, I'm going to go to a church where he tells me what I want to hear. Are y'all with me? We don't want to hear about repentance. Listen, uh, how many of y'all have ever heard of the Salvation Army? Salvation Army. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And this is, this is what he said. He said, there is coming a day. There is coming a day when people will want heaven without hell. They want salvation without regeneration. And salvation without repentance. Are y'all with me? We have people today that do not come to church so they can know or learn how to be right with God. They come to church because I need somebody to fix my problem. Counseling people, talking them off the edge of a cliff and then turn around the next day and go to drinking. 
It's not that I want to be right with God. I want my life to be easier. It's not that I want to have a right relationship with God and I want my sins forgiven. I just want my wife to come back home. We don't want to hear about repentance. But there's only one problem with that. When John was locked up and Jesus began, you know what his message was? Repent. Do you know what happened when Jesus was crucified? Look here. If the Bible says John was put in prison in verse Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Somebody say amen. amen. Then Peter on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Say it with me. Everybody say it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Paul, listen, he preached the same message, Acts 26, 20, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet of repentance. He had a great message, but it wasn't a popular message. But it was a great message. It is a needed message. We have people coming to church, shacking up, living together with no, no uh, conviction whatsoever. No, no. I mean, just keep coming to church, keep singing the song. Doesn't bother them a bit, thinking God's good with it. That, that dog don't hunt. And before some of you self-righteous people jump on that crowd, how about holding a grudge against your neighbor for 20 years? Amen. Harboring unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody that's hurt you. Now, now we, got enough, we got enough sin to go around, so let's not be pointing no fingers. Are y'all with me? We want to point fingers at people we think are great sinners. But guess what? Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. And, and, and there's a bunch of chiefs in the house. <clears throat> I'm going to just say I'm one. We need to repent. There will be no salvation without repentance. Preacher, why aren't people repenting? Because there's no fear of God before their eyes. And all God's people say it. Amen. We see the repentance he declared. Watch this. This, this is where the rubber's going to meet the road right here. Not only was the repentance declared, but watch this. There was results demanded. There was results demanded. He said, Preacher, what are you talking about? There was a religious crowd that come to the, come to the revival meeting <clears throat> while John was preaching. Matthew chapter 3, it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers. Now, I've done preached that enough. You know what he just said. Y'all with me? Everybody say amen. amen. You're a viper. Your daddy's a viper. Your grandpappy's a viper. You come from a long line of vipers. Everybody get that. Yeah. You, 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 you been, in other words, y'all been crooked a long time. Amen. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now, watch what he says. This is a key verse. Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. And think not to yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. 
For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. What he's saying, he says, don't, pend, don't depend on your parents' heritage and your bloodline to get you in. Because it doesn't matter who you came from, it matters who you are. And what matters is, is you need to repent and you need to show works meet for repentance. In other words, let's see some fruit in your life. Boy, that wouldn't be popular today, would it? In other words, show, show that you've repented. And you know what he's saying? I'm expecting results. John was expecting change. Man is quiet now. In other words, when, when, when folks come to church, I'm not preaching just to have something to do. I'm not preaching to tickle your ears. I'm not preaching to give you a motivational sermon to make you feel better about yourself. If you are living a lifestyle that's contrary to the will of God, making you feel better about it is just going to send you to hell faster. We're preaching for change, life, change, fruit, meat for repentance. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Man, we need life change. We need to become closer to Jesus today than we were last week. If all you're doing is staying on the same plane, you're going backwards. We need change. Change, and all of us do, not just lost people, saved people. Yeah. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Well, I believe, I believe he was great because of the message that he preached. Yeah. It's a hard message. I don't like preaching about this. I like preaching about grace and mercy and God's power and love and heaven. And uh, Are y'all with me? I love doing that. I don't like yeah. preaching this, but guess what? We need it. Amen. We need it. Why? We're sheep. You ever wonder, you ever wonder why, why Jesus, he always compared the church to sheep, the body of Christ to sheep? It kind of offended me when I learned some stuff about sheep. I said, what are you talking about? How I many of y'all know sheep are really dumb? They'll just go wandering off. They have no sense of danger. They don't understand what's out. And God says, we like sheep have gone. And we need a shepherd to tell us the truth, to keep us in the line. Hey, everybody, you know, I hear jokes all the time about having to wear steel-toed boots to temple. That's fine. Put them on. We need it. Amen. It's like Brother Buster Seaton told me. He said, son, we all need hard preaching. Not harsh preaching, but hard preaching. Amen. We need results. We need change. We need to grow. We need to develop. We can't stay spiritual babies. We've got to grow in our relationship with Christ. And boy, the type of preaching John did, he expected results. He expected life change. And all God's people say it. Not only the, the, the message did he preach. Number two, write this down. I think what made him great and what Jesus saw in him was not just, and this is probably even more important than the message he preached, is the mentality that he portrayed. The mentality he portrayed. Let me read a verse. In John 3.30, in John 3.30 it says, He must increase. 
Say it with me. He must, but I, but, but, but I. In the world we live in today, you will find very few people who are willing or want to say the next two words after the word I. He must, but I must. Now to understand that, if, you, if you've been in Bible study on Wednesday nights, you, you're familiar with this because we just covered this. We're in the book of John, and, uh, and just a few weeks ago we talked about this. You see, what, what brought this to the, to the surface and why Jesus had to say what he said was that Jesus' ministry began to overlap with John's ministry. You know, a lot of people think that the moment that John baptized Jesus, that John's ministry was over with, and then Jesus begins and goes and does his thing. That's not really the way it happened. After the baptism of Jesus, uh, Jesus went on and his disciples, he begins his ministry, but John is still preaching. He is still serving. He is still baptizing. He is still preaching, preparing people for the Messiah. He's already declared and proclaimed. Are y'all with me? Well, here comes a time when John's church service kind of got close to Jesus' church service. Are y'all with me? They were ministering real close in the same area. And people, people began to leave John's revival and went to Jesus' service. Are y'all with me? I'm using terms we can understand. People started leaving the preaching. People started leaving the ministry. People started leaving the service of John, and they start following Jesus. Well, some of the committee members of John's crusade division say, man, they come to John, and they said, hey, man, we got problems. This man that you just declared and you proclaim, we got people leaving our services, and they're going to his services. Are y'all with me? And this is what John says. He said, guys, everything's okay. He must, but I must. Now, what does that have to do with us today? What does that have to do with us today? We have a problem in society today that everybody's living a life that's all about themselves. And it's being, it's being promoted. It is being pushed by the culture. Live for yourself. It's all about you. It's all about, you know, I mean, it's taking self-esteem way, way to the extreme. Don't worry about nobody else. Don't care about nobody. It's, it's you. It's all about you. It's nothing but you. And you know what? That is diabolically opposed, completely opposite to what God's Word says. Everybody wants to be lifted up. Everybody wants to be exalted. Everybody wants to be put on a pedestal. Everybody wants to make life about them. And they wonder why they're in so much drama. And John said, hey, it's not about me. It's all about him. It's not about me. It's all about him. I must minimize myself and maximize my Savior. If I can make my life more about Jesus, if I can make my life and my desires and my dreams more about Jesus, if I can minimize myself and say, Lord, I surrender all to you and make it about you, I'm telling you, your life will be drastically different. Look what he says. Jesus even backs up. Jesus even backs it up. He says in John, or Matthew chapter 18, 
Verse 1, And at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as a little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Watch this. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 23, 11, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Humble thyself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying we need old-fashioned, real humility in our lives. You want to be great? Jesus says, I'll tell you how to be great. Humble yourself. Don't, pry, don't try to promote yourself. Don't try to exalt yourself. Don't put yourself above everybody else. Don't make it where everybody else has to live for you. Don't become the center of your universe and let everybody revolve around you and what you want and your desires. Make your life about others. Yeah, it's quiet. Preacher, you done put two in a row on us. Repentance and humility, come on. In one service, we can't handle it. Imagine this. Imagine spending three years with Jesus. Walking where he walks. Going where he goes. Doing what he did. Seeing all the stuff he did. And by the way, he did a lot more stuff than was written in that book. John said it this way, if the books of this world could not contain all the things that Jesus did. And they saw all that stuff. And up until the moment that he died, they were arguing over who's going to be the greatest. You know... You know, I may be ad-libbing a little bit here. Forgive me if I am. But you know Jesus had the eye roll going. I mean, he's hours. He's hours away from the cross. He's hours away from being beat to the point that you could not even tell he was a human being. He was hours away from the most difficult time in his life and the people that he had trained and the people that he had discipled and the people that he invested all the time in was arguing over who's going to be the greatest. While Jesus was showing the epitome of humility and the epitome of surrender and the epitome of not my will but thy will be done. When Jesus was portraying that and showing that as his example, they're arguing over who's going to be the greatest. So here we are in the upper room. And it's continuing. So Jesus takes off his outer coat. And he girds himself with a towel. And he takes a water basin. And he gets down. Now watch this, guys. He gets down and does the job of a slave. Y'all with me? Slave. The master of the universe. The one who spoke the world into existence. 
got down and did the job of the slave. This was so perplexing to the disciples. They get to, they get to Peter, and Peter's so self-righteous, and he thought he was going to be smug and holier than now, and said, no, no, I, I, I'm not going to let you do that to me. He says, if I don't, you have no part in me. He said, okay, watch everything, head to toe. He goes from one extreme to the other. And Jesus has that eye roll again. And he gets up. And he says, see what I've done for you? I being your Lord. And then he says this. This is, this is so, if we, if we could get this, I'm telling you guys, it would, it would just revolutionize your life, transform your life. Unbelievable. You would thank me and take me to dinner. <laughs> this is what he says. Did you see what I did? Did you see what I did? And then he says this. Happy are ye if you do that. See, now, now he appeals to their, a little bit to their flesh. Because he'd been trying to tell them greatness is not found in being the man. He, he tried to appeal to their spiritual side and give them spiritual truth, but they just wasn't getting it. So they had to appeal to something else. And Jesus, Jesus said, look, look. I done tried to tell you that, the, the, listen, being the greatest is not about having people serve you or, or, or sitting at the best chair and doing all these things. I've tried to show you this for years, but you're not getting it. Let me see if I can put it this way. The only way you're going to find peace, the only way you're going to find fulfillment, the only way you're going to find joy and true happiness is if you learn to humble yourself and serve others. You know what? Let me tell you the problem in a lot of churches today. I, I, a lot of churches, a lot of businesses, when you find drama at work, let me tell you what the problem is, is they cannot take themselves out of the picture. I'm offended, so-and-so did. Come on, people. It is very difficult to near impossible for humble people to get offended. Right. How do you offend somebody that's humble? How, how do you offend somebody that doesn't, doesn't think too highly of themselves? Let no man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. And I'm not, there's a big difference between having no self-esteem and having a recognition of who you are in Christ and who you should be to other people. And when you are not a snob, and when you don't think the world owes you something, and when you don't walk around, listen, wanting to be privileged and thinking everybody should bow down to you or everybody should give any, if you're trying to be humble and serve others, you ain't going to be offended. That's not good English. You will not be offended easily. It also says this, great peace have they which love thy law and you need to read your Bible. <laughs> great peace have they which love thy law and nothing, say that with me, nothing, say it again, nothing shall offend them. If you are the type that gets offended all the time, you're the problem. 
Them people at work, them people at school, them people at the church, them people, them people, them people. Give it a rest, man. You want to be great? Humble yourself. Let this mind, Philippians, Paul said this, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself. He made himself. He had to make himself of no reputation. No, do you know what that means? He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care what people said. He had no reputation. He wasn't about pleasing or impressing others. He made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. He that was so glorious and so wonderful and so high and lifted up became so lowly and humble and was born in a manger. Somebody say man. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself under the death of the cross. But guess what? Oh, yes. But God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Yes. yes. Humble yourself. Humility goes a long way. Well, I'm afraid people will run over me. No, you're not. That's a lie. That's an excuse. That's, I'm just saying, that's an excuse. I used to try to give a reason for that, but I've just come to the point and realized in all the counseling I've done in my life, that's a lie and that's an excuse. Humility. Humble. How could that make him great? Ask Jesus when you get there. Because how many verses did Jesus back that up? Become as this little child. Humility. He's the greatest. His mentality, his mentality was I must minimize me and maximize him. It's not about me. It's about him. Now, listen, this is a fight, guys. This is, this is, this is a fight. This is a struggle we all have in our flesh. And we'll have it to Jesus comes. Everybody likes to be recognized. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm going to tell you the God's honest truth. When, that, that, the other night when, when y'all, y'all uh, recognized me and appreciated me and, and, I, and I walked through that door and y'all started clapping, I'm, I can't tell you how great that made me feel. When I turned the corner and I seen all the people up in the balcony and everybody's clapping and smiling, and I, I, I just about fell apart. Everybody likes to be recognized. But when you begin to live for that and you work for the recognition and it becomes about you, you're going to find yourself miserable in life. And guess what? There's coming a day when the real reward is coming. And if you get all of your praise here and all of your recognition here and all of your blessing here, There ain't going to be none over there. And I promise you this, I'd rather have the blessing on that side than the blessing on this side. 
And all God's people say it. Lastly, let me give you this. Let me give you this. I'm about out of time. <clears throat> what made him great? <clears throat> it could have been the message that he preached. It was an important message. Would you all agree with that? Important message. It, it was so important Jesus preached it. It was so important Peter preached it. It was so important Paul preached it. And listen, the, the men of God down through the ages have been preaching repent. Repent. The preaching. It could have been not just the message that he preached. It could have been the mentality that he portrayed. His mentality. His humility. His, willing to, his willingness to put Jesus first and lift Jesus up. Are you all with me? Say amen. How about this one? How about the Messiah? How about the Messiah he proclaimed? I love this one. I love this one. Let me, let me read it, and then, and then I'll describe it, all right? The Messiah that he proclaimed. Look what he says in, in, in John chapter 1, verse 29. We're going to read John, Mark, and Matthew, all right? The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man of which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Look what it says in Mark 1, 7. And he preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. What he say in Matthew 3, verse number uh, 11? I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What did he proclaim? Two things, two things, two things. In his life, in his testimony, he proclaimed two things. He proclaimed the Messiah's uh, worth. Worth. Say that with me. W-O-R-T-H. He proclaimed the Messiah's worth. What did he say? He was asked. This is what happened. In his, in his revival service, in his baptismal service, he's preaching and he's baptizing. People are confessing sin. Crowds are gathering. I mean, they, people are just coming like crazy and coming like wildfire. With a religious crowd at the temple, they hear about it. They hear about it, so they send messengers. They send representatives out there to figure out who John is and what all this, uh, what all this hoopla is all about. And they said, who are you? Are you, are, you, uh, 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 are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we've been saying is going to come or we've been waiting for? He said, oh, no, oh, no. He said, I'm, I'm just the forerunner. I'm the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Matter of fact, let me tell you something about that Messiah you just mentioned. There's one coming after me who is preferred before me. And let me tell you how I feel about him. I'm not even worthy to get down and latch his sandals. He is proclaiming the worth of his Messiah. You may tell you what the problem is with most Christians today. He's not worth anything to them. They've forgotten where they were when he found them. We had, we had one strong this week with our widow's ministry this week. And we were talking about Mephibosheth. And we were talking about where Mephibosheth was when King David had to go get him. He was in a place of Lodibar. And Lodibar means no 
thing. No thing. When you put no and thing together, you have nothing. He had no joy, no peace, no happiness, no hope, no, no way of making anything to better himself. But there was somebody on a throne in a palace who had his mind on this poor old wretched sinner. And he came to where he was. When Mephibosheth couldn't get to the king, the king came to Mephibosheth. Say amen. And the psalmist said, I waited patiently on the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry, and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of miry clay, and set my foot on a rock, and established my goings, and he put a new song in my mouth. Somebody say amen. Do you remember the pit that God found you in? Do you remember the condition that you were in when he came to you, when you couldn't fix yourself, you couldn't get to him, but he came to where you are? Man, he's, he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our applause. He's worthy of our amen. And he's worthy of our suffering. He's worthy of our sacrifice. Amen. That's good. And I need to breathe. Is he worthy to you? I don't know why them Christians get up early in the morning, spend their day at, in a church house. They could be fishing on a boat. I'll tell you why. Because he deserves it. i tell you why we sacrifice and give like crazy and give him above and beyond. He's worthy. I tell you why we surrender our life and say, not my will, but thy will be done. We surrender our desires and our dreams and say, God, what is it that you want? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm not him. Well, let me tell you what I think about him. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even deserve to shine his shoes. Well, sometimes we just need to remember. Let me tell you what's wrong with some of us. We've been saved too long. Some of us have saved such a short time, we can still feel the fires of hell on our backside. But some of us have been saved so long we got over it. Because we forgot how bad we were. We forgot how deep we was in that pit. We forgot how blessed it was to be delivered and saved. He's worthy. Listen, I think this made John a great person because he was, he was willing and desiring to proclaim the worth of his Messiah. But here's the thing, too. Let me give you this real quick. He not only proclaimed his worth, but he proclaimed his work. His work. Now, now please don't miss this. You'll not get this, you'll not get this on TV watching Job. <clears throat> You won't hear this part. I'm going to tell you something. Don't get offended. I'm just telling you. I'm going to say it, and I dare you to go see if you can hear him say this. He may say the first part, but he ain't going to say the second part. He said, let me tell you about the one that's coming after me. I'm baptizing with water, 
But there's one coming after me that's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Now, if that makes you nervous, it's biblical. Don't let it bother you. Don't let people who use them turns out of context and unbiblical. Listen, don't, don't, don't let that bother you. It's good. You can say Holy Ghost. I say Holy Spirit. Say whatever you want to. It's in the Bible. I can use it if it's in the Bible. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. You got him when you got saved. So he's declaring the work of salvation. He's declaring the Messiah's work of salvation. Isn't that great? Everybody wants to talk about that. Everybody wants to talk about salvation and, and mercy and deliverance and, and, the, and the Holy Ghost that comes upon us. But he didn't stop. He said, I am baptizing with water. Well, there's one coming after me who's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost. That's about salvation. That's declaring the work of the Savior. But he says this, and, and with fire. Now, don't let the Pentecostal folks tell you that that's talking about the Pentecost, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2, and, and the Holy Ghost and fire, that that goes together, fire is representing the Holy That's not what he's saying. Because the very next verse explains what he just said in that verse. Yeah. Now, before you get all sideways, listen. Watch. Matthew 3, 1. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with... Now, verse 12 explains that. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. That's salvation. And he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So what is he declaring? He's declaring the work of the Messiah. There's a twofold work of the Messiah. The work as the Savior and salvation and the work as a judge in the fiery judgment of hell. Now you're not going to see that on TV. Everybody wants to talk about salvation. Nobody wants to talk about hell. Everybody wants to talk about deliverance and prosperity and God's favor. But listen, there's two sides to everything. There's two sides to every coin. And there's two sides to the Messiah. As on one side, he is the Savior who brings salvation. But on the other side, he is the righteous judge who's going to bring judgment upon the unbeliever. And you see, John was brave enough and courageous enough to preach it both ways. Matter of fact, it got him killed. Because the reason that he was in prison is because he was preaching to the king that he didn't have no right to have his brother's wife. He said, you're living in an adulterous relationship. A woman scorned. He got his head cut off for it. But you know what Jesus said about it? He degraded it. Let me tell you something, guys. If you're wanting the world to think you're great, don't listen to nothing I just said. Because nothing I just said will make you great in the world's eyes. But if one day you kneel before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ and you want to hear, well done, 
thou good and faithful servant. And you want to hear, great job. Listen, let's follow the pattern we find in John Baptist's life. It starts with humility. And it ends with courage to portray the Lord Jesus Christ as he really is. And all God's people say it. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to serve you. I'm so glad for your mercy. I'm so glad for your touch. Lord, this stuff is easy preaching. And sometimes it's hard living. Lord, sometimes it's hard to be humble around hurtful people. But God, we need to understand that it is you that has our back. That if we will remain humble, you will take care of the rest. I pray that your perfect will be done. Help us with this stuff. God, help us to have the courage to stand and tell the truth. But Lord, help us to be humble. Help us to have an attitude of humility in the way we treat other people. And come to you in a spirit of humility knowing that all that we have is dependent on you. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. You say, preacher, that stuff you just got through talking.